and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks. Today, we are going to be learning about a new children's book called What I've Learned About Grandma's Memory. And I am thrilled that Elon Caspi is going to be with us. Uh, he's been my partner in crime on Dementia Chats and, and other programs. And Kate Gable will be with us, who is also the book designer. And uh, we will hop into that. But first, I want to just do a couple of shout outs. I always urge people to go to our website, alzheimerspeaks.com. There you'll find a whole section on free educational resources. There's a wide variety of information that you can pull and also participate in. Uh, you'll also find our book tab there for Betty the Bald Chicken, which is our children's book on lessons on how to care, which can be used um, to read as an individual. It can be used on a one-on-one -on -one or in group settings. And though it's written as a children's book, uh, you can really be touched by it at any level or stage of life. And then, of course, I want to mention Dementia Map. Please check that out. That is our global resource directory where we have over 150 categories you can search. There is a, a blog, there's an events calendar, there's a glossary of terms, and we just are in a beta launch of our shop. So please, uh, please go ahead and check that out. Let's go ahead and introduce you to our guests. I'm, I'm really interested in learning more about the book that has just launched, What I've Learned About Grandma's Memory. Well, Elon and Kate, I'm so excited to have you both on the show today. So I'm going to start by having each of you introduce yourselves. And Elon, I'm going to have you go first. Um, my name is Elon Caspi, and I'm a gerontologist uh, and a dementia behavior specialist. Um, I've been in the aging field for nearly 30 years, starting as a nurse aide in a nursing home where my grandfather lived. So... Um, and just thank you for giving us this uh, stage to share about our book project today, Lori. Wonderful. And this is your second book. So why don't you give a plug for your first book? Oh, thank you. Um, uh, well, my first book was uh, about the phenomenon of resident-to-resident -resident incidents uh, in long-term care homes. And um, it's called Understanding and Preventing Harmful Interactions Between Residents with Dementia, and it was published last year by Health Profession Press. Thank you, Lori. Great. And Kate, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm Kate Gable. I met Elon through his work with Elder Voice Advocates uh, because I am actually a dual business owner. I own Kate's Musical Memories, where my background in music therapy drives my music programming. And then I also own KG Freelance that has really evolved into helping local businesses in the state of Minnesota 
especially with focus on senior and long-term care, as my background has had me in the healthcare industry for over a decade. Wonderful. And what kind of freelance work do you do? My freelancing has evolved into helping with website design for community programs such as Ramsey County Meals on Wheels, Elder Voice Advocates, the Consortium of Lake Area Senior Services, and others that are focused on community growth and supporting seniors as they age in the community. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for joining us. Um, I always like to start out by having everybody uh, just tell our audience if they've been personally touched by dementia. So, Alan, I'll let you go first. Um, so, yeah, both of my grandmothers um, lived with dementia and in nursing homes in Israel. And um, I will never forget the spark in my grandmother's eyes as myself and our you know, my cousins uh, walked in and approached her in her wheelchair in a nursing home. And she used to say, when you come, it brings it, it brings me back to life. I will never forget that. So, um, yeah, so that that's my connection, early connection to people living with dementia. And I should say that um, Michelle Ignatowitz, who is the illustrator of the book, uh, her grandmother lived with dementia also in a long-term care home which was the uh, our original part of the reason why we embarked on this uh, project. Okay, great. Thank you. Kate, how about you? Have you been personally touched in your own family or circle of friends by dementia? Yes, actually, while none of my grandparents have had dementia, it's been their love and support and my relationship to them that brought me to working immediately out of college in nursing home care. Specifically, I was on memory care unit as a life enrichment coordinator and music therapist. So I was there with families when they were bringing in their loved ones and really struggling with those first steps of learning how to interact on a new communication level and learning alongside of them as well, because at the end of the day, we're all humans and we all want to be cared for and being able to make those mistakes along the way and just know that as long as there's love attached to every interaction that you are just trying your best. And that is really what memory loss asks for is the humanity to be brought back into the experience. Okay. Wonderful. Well, let's get to the book. I'm anxious to learn. Um, and Alan, I'll throw this to you first. It, what ignited you to tell this story? So um, before I, I, I do that, I would like to, I thank a few a few people, if I may. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first, uh, Michelle Ignatowitz, who is uh, the illustrator of the book, and she and I and I was looking for years for an illustrator to you know to work with me on a project uh, such as this, and I finally, through a friend, uh, learned about uh, Michelle, uh, and she created a handful of very uh, moving uh, and heartwarming illustrations. I really think they're really phenomenal and beautiful. And and then, so I'm I'm extremely grateful for her. Unfortunately, uh, due to some uh, circumstances, uh, she couldn't continue uh, to work on the project, Uh, but, uh, but we are regularly in touch and she's deeply appreciative that we carried on this project to the finish line. And then um, an angel literally uh, just 
just came to my life when so this the, the content the text of this book uh this story uh was published in changing aging and uh kate uh, uh read it and without even telling me she initiated uh creating a book design and i was floored when i, I was, first of all i had no idea that this is taking place and she just sends me this and say hey just see what you think and I was like, oh, my God. Uh, and so it was it really brought it to life. And she did a terrific job. And and every single page kind of brings each scene and the, and the story to life uh, in such a meaningful, beautiful, beautiful way. So I'm forever grateful to you, Kate, for taking that initiative and surprising me like that. And I just couldn't be more uh, grateful for that. And I want to thank also my father-in-law, Terry Eicher, who uh, provided extent, extensive uh, suggested edits and, and areas for improvement in the book, uh, which was really, really helpful. I also want to thank uh, Lorette uh, Clear. And she uh, with she's with um, uh, Nana, Nana's Books and a uh, great, great um, organization and series of uh, very impactful um, uh, books that uh, that she has, and so she provided me uh, generously a lot of advice and and and, and suggestions um, towards the end of this uh, book project, including where to publish it. And uh, Laurie, to you for your support uh, in this project and your very powerful endorsement, um, and how generous you are to elevate and give voice to projects that you think are meaningful. Uh, to individuals living with uh, dementia and their family members. And uh, uh, also, I want to last, I want to thank all those um, colleagues and professionals and researchers who, who took the time to read the book and write those compelling uh, supportive notes for the book that are included in the book itself. Wonderful. Well, that's it. There are so many people behind a book. I mean, people don't realize what it takes. And and I would imagine your family and your kids are a big part of that, too, just being supportive of this project, because it takes so much time and energy. As you know, from your wonderful, wonderful book, uh, Betty the Bald uh, Chicken, who I'm, I read multiple times to my uh, youngest daughter, particularly and she just loves going back to it. So, so thank you for that. Uh, and I think there there will be a point in this conversation today that um, your book actually connects very well to our book in a very very uh, meaningful way. Uh, so I hope to get to that. I will just say real quick because I do want to get to your first question that the book is dedicated to uh, Michelle's brother, uh, who at age thirty one. Uh, passed away unexpectedly this April, and uh, his name is Joseph Lacourt. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I include that there. Okay, wonderful. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the story of the book and and how that came to be? So the story is told uh, through the eyes of a ten-year-old granddaughter of a woman who lives in advanced stages of Alzheimer's disease, uh, who lives in a nursing home. And the granddaughter is being told that there is not really a point of visiting her grandmother because she is no longer there. 
Um, but growing up, uh, grandma was always, always there for her. So propelled by her deep love and the strong bond she had with her grandmother, she decided to visit her grandmother once a week during one summer. And, and during these visits and through their interactions, my hope is that the book helps to shift uh, perceptions from the common and harmful, I should say, stigma, labeling, and what is described uh, as tragedy discourse to a more uh, to realistic hope, to a more balanced, humane, uh, and um, dignified approach. And, and so the book is really, uh, without revealing everything, the book is really uh, trying to help shift from a deficit-based approach to a strength-based approach, from a narrow biomedical psychiatric model of dementia that belongs to the old culture of care to a, what is called personalized psychosocial whole person one, from being written off as living dead and the shells of their own self uh, to something that opens the door to rekindling relationships believed to be lost, as Michelle Lost, Kate's uh, friend and colleague, wrote in one of the endorsements, uh, to shift uh, to interactions that are positive, that are enriching, that are meaningful, that are joyful. Um, and the book is trying to do that through uh, interactions that, such as you know, tending to flowers at the raised garden, dancing together, a hand massage, uh, preparing and bringing grandma her favorite pie, um, walking together to a lake, to a nearby lake and sitting on a bench. And I think one of the underlying themes of the book has to do with the power of love and the need to validate the emotions of people living with dementia and how to how can we intentionally create that space that we are centered and fully present to older adults living with dementia. So I'm gonna just pause here. Um, I'm just gonna pause here and um, see what you have to say and, and Kate, if she wants to chime in. Well, I, you know, I love where you're going with the book because, you know, that's kind of where we went with Betty the Bald Chicken. But that's been my thought since day one. You know, my mom, for those of you who are new to our show, my mom lived with dementia for 30 years. And the, the medical model did not really help or support us much at all. You know, it, it gave us some some false, I hate to even say hopes, but false outcomes that my mom would only live five to seven years it didn't tell us anything about how to live graciously. And Elon, what I loved about what you were talking about through this 10-year-old's eyes was she's like, grandma's still there. We still have fun. Um, but I think with kids, they're okay being silent sometimes and just doing things, being in someone's presence, where adults get a little more nervous when it's quiet and we feel like we have to fill in the gaps. And, you know, and that, can be really harmful to relationships in a lot, a lot of ways. So I think kids do a brilliant job at teaching us 
how to care better for one another. They're more accepting. They don't see the deficits that we see as adults because we've learned to see those deficits. We've learned to categorize things and say they're less than instead of they're just different. And kids look at it as it's, it's just different. And sometimes they don't even go that deep. They're just like, there's somebody there to play with me, you know, and I can still interact and I can still have fun. And it doesn't make any difference if you have a cane or if you're blind or you can't hear or, you know, whatever your situation is, you can still be with me. And they have that deep belief um, of that being true. And to me, that's all the difference in the world between young kids and adults sometimes is, is choosing to believe that it can happen. And so I, I, I think through, you know, the words and the illustrations, you know, of your book, it's, you know, every page pulls us in to believe more, you know, that this is, this is possible. We can still maintain our relationships and we can expand them as well. You know, we can still explore, we can still have fun, we can still create joy. And yeah, there's going to be some goofy times that I'm not going to understand, but I can work through that too. And that doesn't mean that I don't have to not show up for you or not love you. It just means I have to process something. And um, that person with dementia is probably processing it too. They're just not able to express it to us. So I, I, I love the whole concept of, of the story. Um, Kate, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Yes, because the piece that I feel like I was able to contribute came from reading Elon's words. Originally being published in Changing Aging, it reads as poetry. It's really beautiful. And you can create kind of your own imagery with the words that he's put on the page and through Michelle's illustrations, you get a taste, not just for a grandmother, but even a grandmother that might have a different background than yours, that might have different stories than what you would know from where you've grown up, where you've lived. And it was in reading that through just a request to please post Elon's wonderful story that this idea came to mind that this story needed to be told in visual format because many times we use words, but the words that we use get lost in translation. And if I've learned anything with Alzheimer's, with dementia, with any form of cognitive decline, words can get so lost and they can separate us. And so it is always with an open heart and mind that you try and listen to the intent of the words behind it. And I feel like imagery and for me, music therapy are beautiful ways of being that great connector. So as Elon said, I looked at it and I'm like, this could be a book. (laughs) So I started to create it, but also I created it with the mindset of what I have seen personally when spending times with my grandfather-in-law, my all the families that I spent time with and was there even when their loved ones passed away. Uh, what did it look like? How did the family see it? How did the people experience it? And a lot of it is sometimes blurred imagery. It's not something always concrete. So you'll see in the book, there's a lot of subtle hints at things that 
help to explain that slightly unknown, but the imagination that we can have of what that must be like. And I think that's what we're always being asked to do is imagine what it would be like if this was happening to you. How would you want to be treated? So while this is a children's book, it is really a book for anyone who's still willing to learn and try to engage with people they love. I had the honor of being able to share it with my 80-year-old grandmother, and she lives in an independent living. She is not losing her memory, but she was reading it and saying, yes, I see this. My neighbor, she does this. It's so important that people listen and they don't listen. And so I feel like it's not even a one-time read. It's a read again and again, because there's something that you will gain from that experience, because not every person who has Alzheimer's, who has dementia, who has memory loss is the same as another. And so you might see one person who really needs you to be present for holding their hand because they can no longer communicate verbally with the outside world, but they can communicate through touch. Others, they are still very active in the world, but they have some confusion and they need to not be corrected. They need to have you enter their world as opposed to you trying to correct their view of the world. So in teaching it to children, like fairy tales, we are actually educating adults through the creative arts. And I feel like it can be used across many platforms to be able to tell the story of one young girl trying to show her grandmother how much she loves her. Oh, that's beautiful. Elon? This is wonderful, Kate. Uh, And your experience actually working in those settings, you know, enabled a whole uh, another deep dimension that is reflected in the design of the book that you did, because you actually been in those places and you you understand the nuances of those places. So I I just think that it's just perfect for this project that you came along and you brought that too. It's not just to be able to design it. Uh, so I want to just uh, because you asked me, you know. Uh, what led me to do the book. And I want to, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions. I'm not going to go through all of them, but, you know, that people in advanced stages of Alzheimer's are no longer able to to communicate. And while they may not be able to communicate uh, at times or partially with words, there's a lot of communication taking place at the emotional level Um, and the body language, the facial expressions, the gestures, um and so that's something that i was trying to balance in this book and also that they're not not able to experience joy and psychological well-being and we know it's not true we know it's not true from practice we know it's not true from research studies um and this is actually a time in their lives perhaps the last year or two or three or or, or a few years the last years of their lives when there's an increased yearning for close trusting relationships that we all yearn for as a universal need. Uh, And I think, I believe that it provides them with what is called emotional security, to feel emotionally secure with people you trust. And, you know, there's many examples, but of course, uh, the validation method, which is a very powerful communication method that Naomi File developed over half a century ago, Um, and if people want to get an illustration of that, of that, the healing power of that method, they should watch the video that we all watched of uh, Gladys Wilson and Naomi interacting. 
uh, really bringing all those techniques into one interaction and what it does to a person who was written off is no longer there. And then there's projects such as music and memory and the film Alive Inside. Again, really mythbusters and uh, really balancing those misconceptions. And you ask me, why did I do the, the book? Well, I worked as a nurse aide, a social worker, consultant, applied researcher, care advocate, and in long-term care homes. And this is combined with the fact, as I mentioned, that both my grandmothers had dementia. And together, this created the need for me to share uh, what I've learned along the years. And I don't have all the answers. And I should say that some of the message in the book probably will not work for certain grandchildren, for certain older adults with dementia. It's not like all those uh, meaningful engagement scenarios would work for every person. Absolutely not. But what we're trying to do is open uh, a, a canvas of of opportunities to explore uh, and see what works with your grandparent and what works for you. What is your comfort zone there? Um, so other reasons why we did this book um, is has to do with the fact that when I started this project, I did a review of the literature of children's books related to Alzheimer's disease. And what I found is that there's a lack of children's books on people in advanced stages of Alzheimer's disease in long-term care homes. And the other thing I found is that there's lack of children's books on dementia among African-American families. And the main characters of this book uh, are from an African-American family. And we were very, Michelle and I were very, very intentional about it. We had a lot of discussions about how to try to portray these individuals in a, in a uh, meaningful, accurate, and dignified way. And we had some learning to do there. So I wanted to share that. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Wonderful. Well, I I think it is so important that whole emotional side of giving people hope that you know you can create joy you can find joy they can experience it um, you can experience it together it might look different than what joy used to look like but that doesn't mean it's not existent and I firmly believe as the disease progresses more and more those more intimate and sometimes shorter moments of joy are actually more powerful and they're embedded more deeply in my heart. And there's something I'll never let go of. You know, it's not always the big and flashy stuff. Um, Kate, you had talked about, you know, you read this poetry and said, this should be a book. What made you take that leap, you know, to, to take somebody's, you know, written words and then say, hey, Elon, what do you think of this? <laughs> I did not go to school to be a book designer. I did not go to school to be some flashy business person. 
I I went because when I was very young, my mom was at my piano lesson and she saw an article about a music therapist and she's like, that's you. And another moment in my life, I was able to walk into the VA in Minneapolis and shadow a music therapist. And when I came out at 16, that's what I wanted to do. But journeys are never that simple. I went to school for music therapy, but I also had a business minor. I have worked in group homes. Our internships in college took us into jail settings, took us into nursing homes, schools, clinical settings. We really got a full depth and breadth of where music therapy can truly help. But I gravitated towards healthcare. And after I graduated, I ended up in nursing home care. The challenge is, I think all of us know that when it comes to healthcare, it's so hard when care can take a backseat to the bottom line, to the regulations that people feel need to be fulfilled, or just the daily burdens of trying to do a job and not having enough resources to do it. And as I was working and loving the daily interactions I had with the residents at that particular care facility. And I apologize, Aylan, I know you don't like residents, but that's the language that I had at the time. It was their home. But I was leaving the the memory care to go back to an office to try and deal with um, in, internal politics and, and business methods that it just felt like a bad dichotomy. And it, it tore at my heart. And this was before the pandemic So I took an opportunity to go work for a small business. I was the eighth employee doing construction. So moving from healthcare into a completely different field, I had to take on a lot of responsibility to learn new skills that I'd never learned. And through that, it's actually what I think prepared me for my two businesses now, because at the end of the day, they're both based in creative arts and connecting with others. So as I mentioned, I received Elon's text because I'm connected with Elder Voice and I have been developing visuals through their website design, through doing spotlight videos that highlight the things that we need to do to change how we see healthcare, how we see people within the healthcare system and making sure that we treat each other with humanity. So in discovering this next creative piece, I was like, oh, turns out not only can I create videos, I can create books, I can do all these things. And so it was just another creative leap that I took because I felt like it needed it needed a larger audience. And the way that we get words out are not going to be the same for everybody. But this really spoke to me as it needs to be a visual book that is tangible, something that can just be sitting in a waiting room that can be sitting on a shelf and will speak to the person walking by in the way that they need to hear it and helping them to maybe work through being a child who's, who doesn't really understand what's going on with grandma, maybe someone who is a young adult who needs to be reminded that grandma was always there for you and you didn't know who she was. Now it's your turn to be there for her, even if she doesn't recognize who you are. And All of us have a story or a reason. And one uh, story that really stuck with me was a care conference that I was at with a family whose father was um, under the memory care unit on my side, and his wife was in the long-term care setting. 
And I would work very hard to bring them together. And every time they saw each other, they always kissed each other, hello and goodbye. And it was a very touching relationship that despite his memory loss, he still was so focused on the care for his wife. But his children said, well, it's hard to come visit because it's not like dad even remembers anyway. And I said, you know, you're right. He doesn't remember. But what you don't see is how happy he is after you've left. It stays with him all day. It makes a difference. And they told me at his funeral that that really shifted their perspective. And so what I hope in the visuals of this book is that it gives someone the ability to shift their perspective on what memory loss looks like and how you can engage with it and that we continue learning. It doesn't stop at childhood. It continues throughout our lives. We're going to be surprised every time we sit down to look at this book. Yeah, I I agree. Elon? So this was beautiful, Kate. Thank you. Uh, I want I'm glad you also mentioned elder voice advocates in Minnesota um, because it's an organization that is dear to our hearts and they do a lot of work related to prevention of different forms of elder mistreatment in long-term care home and in the community. Um, and um, we actually decided to allocate um, a small portion of the proceeds of the book to this organization for that reason. And also, uh, it reminded me another reason why I decided to write this book. Uh, this story it has to do with the fact that, you know, most of my work and research has to do with really disturbing and, and um, uh, heartbreaking uh, incidents of elder mistreatment, mistreatment, whether it's abuse, uh, deadly and injurious ne- neglect of healthcare, uh, resident resident incidents, um, financial exploitation, theft of opioid pain medications, uh, fear of retaliation, and and so on and so forth. And so for me, it was kind of a need that I had for something uh, fundamentally different that has to do with positive, something that will uplift my spirits. And so, and um, and so that's another thing that propelled me to do it. And I will, I, and I have to mention this. You know, I did research in uh, secure care homes for people with dementia, and one of the things that struck me the most is when the group of toddlers walked into the care home, and everything changes. And first of all, most of the resident of, of, of the individuals living there uh, are women. 90, you know, 95 people, 95%, 95% of the people who care for them are women. Uh, and the second they walk in, the whole atmosphere changed. And I've never seen so many smiles, so many hugs, so much laughter and dancing. And the instinct of the mother is there, even in advanced stages of dementia. If you have mini mental state examination score of zero, the lowest possible from out of 30, you're, you still have your heart and you have your soul and you, you connect with the kids. You even guide the kids. Watch out, you're going to trip and dancing and laughing with them. So so these are th- some of the things that yeah, encouraged me to do this uh, project. Well, I think the other thing with the book, uh, Kate had mentioned about you know teaching children at different levels of how to care, but I think it also teaches us as adults that kids have should have a seat at the table and they have a right to care as well. And I think there's been this, 
this wall that said, you're too young, you don't need to worry about this instead of pulling them in. And so I, I really like that barrier being broke. Um, Elan, as far as the book goes, from when you first launched it to where you are right now with it, did your, did your thought process change in terms of who is the book for? It's a good question. I think it, it, it kept expanding in general and, and, and during my conversations with Kate. Um, so when you, when one of the questions I know you were planning to ask is who is the book for, right? And so I would say that in general, and there's flexibility, of course, uh, anyone can find meaning in it, right? There's a universal need there that we hope that we're um, touching there. However, with that said, it is written for children roughly from the age of five to 18, but also we believe that young adults and such as older siblings could benefit from it as they educate themselves and their young sisters or brothers. Uh, it could be parents as they guide their children, that is the grandchildren, uh, and then spouses and partners could learn about ways their grandchildren can support, interact, and bring meaning uh, with uh, and for their loved ones. And, and then care professionals. So they could be uh, a nurse aide, a social worker, a recreation therapist, uh, and uh, managers, you know, uh, administrators, uh, owners of care homes. Uh, but I hope that it will also have some uh, resonate with folks interacting with older adults in advantage of Alzheimer's disease in the community as well. So it's quite wide. And I, I think that Kate has something to add to that. For me, it was also a matter of watching, as I mentioned earlier, to have my grandmother see that her granddaughter had come full circle from her being the one taking my hand and walking me through life and those experiences to seeing that I can give her something to teach her. I think by having it as a children's book and hearing our children speak, we actually will see as adults how we still have a lot to learn through the eyes of a child. And I think when we have that appreciation that goes both ways, that we recognize that we have strengths, but we also have weaknesses, we need the voices of children and we need to guide them as adults to finding better ways to move forward. And by having a book like this, I think we're going to be able to have healthier discussions that don't have people shying away or afraid to talk about it. But like we've had in recent years, real hard conversations with our children about what life is like in the world and how they have the power to change it if they are willing to lean in and be compassionate. Yeah. I think also targets for your book are schools and doctor's offices and counselors as well, um, libraries. Uh, this is a story, you know, I've gone into the schools and talked about dementia at all different levels and it's shocking how many kids have somebody in their family that they're caring for, but they haven't been told the whole story and they want to help. And, you know, kids are wonderful at bringing those stories home. So they might hear it at school and then bring the story home to mom and dad and say, you know, I could help. This is, this is what I've learned. 
and mm. open that door in that fashion. I mean, they're the ones that I always say got us to wear seatbelts and got people to quit smoking because they were tugging on us going, hey, I want you around a little longer, you know, and I, I learned this in school. It's not healthy for you. So I, I think that they are just brilliant little lights of, of hope. Um, if you are, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So I want to just do kind of add very briefly that there is, I believe that there's a very important reason why Naomi File, you know, we did recently did a show, an interview with the legendary, I should say, Naomi File, who developed the validation method. Um, and she shared about her experiences growing up, literally growing up in a nursing home where her father, I believe, was the administrator and the mother was the psychologist, if I'm not mistaken. But growing up there and in a natural way with the intuition of a kid with, was able to establish those human connections with individuals that were long ago were written off as people who doesn't just don't understand or doesn't worth it. Or, so with the intuition of a kid. So I think that's a there's an important reason there. And I think that connects to our book because kids can bring something to this conversation uh, that were not fully um, appreciating and supporting. Mm -hmm. I agree. And if, I, if I can add one thing that I've seen is every time that you enter into the world of memory loss and dementia, you are going to learn something and you're going to be better for it. I've seen that in my own family. Um, not everyone is exposed to it or in a healthy way or in a way that helps to address what is really happening, which is a long goodbye. It's a grieving process too. And so we don't always do a good job of expressing our hurts or our emotions or the challenges that come with having a loved one with memory loss with grace. And I was so thankful to, to see my in-laws go from not always understanding the burden that it took to care for their father who had memory loss to now seeing their mother who is in her 90s they are, they have all this uh, all three of the siblings have stepped up and they have a rotation where they go to their mother's home they set out meals for her they call her and remind her to take her medications they don't correct her where in the past they would they did all these things they made these mistakes they are honest genuine mistakes but i think what we see in this book is that you learn you're told something but just because you're told something doesn't mean you can't change it and that you can't be better and that the next time you just need to be present because that's the best gift we can give anyone. Definitely. Um, Kate, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and maybe you, maybe you just answered this was what you've learned through your experiences, you know, of people living with memory loss. What I probably would say I've learned is that every person I've met is a gift. I've had the honor of being with people in their final years. And sometimes I'm able to be there when they're still a bit themselves. Sometimes that's no longer there. But some of my happiest stories and memories are from just the little moments and experiences that I've had with them. I think of a woman that was so fun. She always had such a positive energy and she was always going around trying to get everybody to participate and towards the end of her life, she had a series of strokes that completely paralyzed the side of her body. And it broke her it, because she knew something was wrong, but she couldn't figure out why. 
And she kept asking and kept asking. And I said, I'm sorry, you, you had a stroke. And I could see like, she wanted to hear it, but then she's like, you're a liar. Why would you say that? That's terrible. And, and we sometimes are faced with very hard things of having to say, mom, you can't live at home anymore. Dad, I'm sorry. I need to take those keys. It's not safe for you anymore. And it's heartbreaking. And we're so sad. But at the same time, I later went into her room and I sat with her and I just held her hand and she leaned on my shoulder and she said, you're like the daughter I never had. And it was the best gift that she could have given me because I knew that I hadn't been the one to hurt her. I hadn't been the one to bring her to the circumstance, but I was able to be there and hold her hand. And I think as I designed the book, as I thought through the imagery and the experiences that I've had, I wanted that feeling to come through in the pages so that when you see the family and you don't remember the family, you still get that sense, that light, that they are there, that all those experiences are part of your life, that watercolors are meant to be messy. They're meant to just take on a life of their own and be beautiful through their abstract looks. And that we can actually find joys if we're willing to stop, to listen, to pay attention, and to be willing to accept what's in front of us. Exactly. That's so true. Well, then let's go on to what is your vision and hope for the book? Uh, Well, so my uh, vision and hope for the book is that uh, grandchildren anywhere uh, will be able to see their grandparents beyond their brain disease that uh, they will know that the grandparents are always there until their last breath, Uh, that more grandchildren will be willing to visit their grandparents uh, living in advanced stage of of dementia in long-term care homes, that just like Naomi's father grew up in a nursing home, that kids would be be empowered to trust their instincts Mm -hmm. and allow their creative minds to continue this sacred and sorely needed human connection with their grandparents outside the stigma. And I really believe that kids can bring a lot of creativity, the exact type of creativity uh, that could uh, elevate the conversation, elevate humane and effective approaches. Uh, And I also hope that many children will be giving themselves those precious gifts for life if they do decide to visit their grandparents. Uh, As the late Tom Kitwood said, and I will read it to make sure it's accurate, people with dementia may have something important to teach the rest of humankind. If we make the venture one of genuine and open engagement, we will learn a great deal about ourselves and I believe that this is where the natural connection to your book Lori uh, Betty the, the bold chicken is because you demonstrate in that book how compassion can often be found among those who have been marginalized stigmatized excluded uh, in very hurtful ways in our society and that's the connection that I've seen I've seen there um, and uh, I don't know if Kate, you have 
something to add for the vision and hope you may have for the book? My hope is the book has the ability to change even one life, one person's view. If it manages to do that, it is it has done its job. But even more importantly, I feel like this book is similar to a seed in a garden. And it may flourish immediately and really bring about some immediate change needed for people who have been desperately looking for a way to understand memory loss. For others, it might come at a later point. Maybe they're not at the stage of having to deal with memory loss, but the book will be there when they need it to pick it up. And for others still, it may be something that comes very, very late, that is years in the making, that maybe a child now will remember what we wrote when they're an adult and having to face this with a loved one, that it is a tool available at any time for any person to know that memory loss is still a journey of love. That was beautiful. Uh, Laura, can I add something to that? Sure. So... For those children who will try and still encounter challenges in communicating with their grandparents, um, first of all, I think that a lot of kids could write their own books because they can come up with ideas that we can't think about because we've been in this for too long. So we need your creativity. Uh, and we need you to write it down when something works for you, that you came up from your beautiful, creative minds. But I want to say when you when you do, because you will also experience challenges, and it it is very often sad and and, and heartbreaking, especially when you had a strong life, you know, uh, you, you know, decades sometimes or years long relationship with your grandparents, and now they are they are changing. I want to read a quote of a granddaughter of a woman who was in the middle stages of Alzheimer's disease in a, in a early study that I, I did in two uh, secured care home for people with dementia. She wrote, so it was Erin Bryant in 2006, she wrote, what I found most helpful when taking care of Nanny was remembering that while she would yell at us or, or be hurt that we could not stay with her forever, it wasn't her real self reacting. We tried to remember that Alzheimer's disease takes people's lives away and the unfamiliar person we see is just as unfamiliar to them. Until we find a cure, our family will fight for Nanny because underneath the shell of memory loss, the confusion and the sadness, there is a person with a heart that will always remember. Well, that's beautiful. It it really is. It's um, the book, I think, and, and I just think creative mediums as a whole are just so much easier for people to digest. You know, it's not this black and white thing. It's a, it's a story that's told and it allows the emotions where sometimes other, uh, you know, books and formats, they're just black and white and they, they leave the emotion out. They leave the imagination out. And I think the emotion and the creativity are the two critical parts of care that have gotten squashed over the years that really needs to be lifted. So kudos to you, you know, for getting this book out and, um, you know, helping the world shift how it chooses to care. And again, 
like you said, it, it might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be years from now, when the memory of this book, you know, takes seed and really blossoms and says, Oh, I can apply that here, because anything good for dementia, I truly believe is good for the world. And so even though your book is dementia based, I think it just has so many life lessons in it in terms of how we treat one another, how we live in community. Um, real quick, Kate, anything that you would like the listeners to know on how they can help, um, you know, implement this message and spread the word? My best recommendation would be if this book moves you in any way, share it with the world, share it with someone that you know may need it. And again, don't feel like it has to be a seed that is blossoming immediately. Help us to plant these seeds throughout the world in doctor's offices, in memory care, in children's schools, help us to get that book out to the world so that when the person who desperately needs it sees it, they'll be able to pick it up. Yeah. Might be calling the library and just asking them if they have the book. And if not, (laughs) here's how you go find it, you know, so that it does get picked up. Many libraries now are dementia friendly. So they're looking for these types of things but they also want to know that they're meeting a need and it's nice to hear from community. So thank you both for spending time with us today. It's been a, uh, just a privilege to learn more about your book, what I've learned about grandma's memory. It's just such an important resource for people at all levels to know about and share. I do ask our audience to be a giver of hope, like click and share this episode, pass it along. You've got people in your own sphere that are dealing with this, that, haven't come clean, you know, they don't feel comfortable talking about it yet. And we've got to make that conversation easier. We need to let them be able to find information um, when when the time is right for them. Now you can go to um, Amazon and find the book. It's an electronic version right now. We have our fingers crossed. It's going to be hard copied pretty soon. But again, uh, by Googling that or throwing that in Amazon, you'll be able to find that. And I'm sure it'll be in Barnes and Noble and all the other book book places too. Uh, you can also get a hold of Elon Caspi on his website, uh, dementiabehaviorconsulting.com, or you can email him at uh, Elon Caspi at gmail.com. You can also find Kate at her website, katesmusicalmemories.com. And also email Kate at katesmusicalmemories at gmail.com. So again, thanks everybody. Um, Elon and Kate, thank you so much for your time and all the work you put in to get this beautiful book out into the world. Much appreciated. Bye now. Thank you so much for giving this book a voice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors from fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick me up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.